good afternoon. You're listening to Let the Bible Speak. Let the Bible Speak is the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church. Stephen Pollock is the pastor of the Free Presbyterian Church of Malvern, Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us today as he opens the Word of God and lets the Bible speak. We're continuing our studies in this third petition of the Lord's Prayer, the petition that is, Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. And that is our text for uh, tonight. But I want to read some verses, just a couple of verses in Hebrews chapter uh, 13. I'm going to read the verses uh, 20 and 21. Paul here praying at the end of the epistle, And now the God of peace, that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Verse 21 of this chapter uh, makes mention of the will of God, uh, and it does so in the sense of those believers who require the help of God if they are to do the will of God. Last time we were together, we spent the time to think about the various aspects in which the will of God is discussed in the Scriptures. Not that there's more than one will, but that the terminology of the will of God is used in different ways. The Bible does speak of God's will of decree. In essence, God's will of decree is all of history. God's will of decree is all that comes to pass. Nothing can hinder the will of God in that sense. God's will is whatsoever comes to pass. And in that sense, God's will of decree is known retrospectively. We look back and we understand that what happened today happened according to the will of God. And so we ask ourselves the question, is that the sense in which we are to pray, thy will be done. And there are those who take that position. They believe this third petition is a prayer to submit ourselves to the decree of God and to the will of God in the form of his eternal decrees. And whilst that, of course, is an important feature of Christian living, I don't believe that does justice to the fullness of the petition, uh, this third petition. For we are told to pray, thy will be done, in earth, as it is in heaven. And as God's will is eternal, and as God's will is uh, undefeatable, so there's a sense in which God's will is always being done in earth as it is in heaven. There, there's no sense in which God's will is not being done in earth. And so for the petition to make sense, I think we should understand this prayer as a prayer for God's will to be done in terms of God's will of desire, God's revealed will. And so our catechism puts it this way. In the third petition, we pray that God, by his grace, would make us able and willing to know, obey, and submit to his will in all things as the angels do in heaven. And so the sense in which we are understanding God's will in this petition is the same way as it's put here in Hebrews chapter 13. It is something that is revealed, revealed in the word of God. It is something that we do, something that we are to obey. 
Dr. Cairns, as he summarized the petition in his own book on the Lord's Prayer, says this petition is a prayer for obedience to the revealed will of our Father. And that is to his actual commandments. And so last time we finished with the, uh, dealing with the issue of the revelation of God's will. God's will is revealed in the word of God. And moving on tonight, I want to consider the obedience of God's will. Just looking at that subject in a, in a broad sense. And what way do we see the Bible teaching us regarding the obedience of God's will? And the first thing to note is the model of our obedience. Jesus saith in John 4, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. I seek not mine own will, but the will of the Father which has sent me. John 5 verse 30. And so we see the Lord as the one who fulfills all righteousness. He's the end of the law for righteousness. And we understand that Christ perfectly keeps the law of God in its every form. He delights to do the will of God. And so Christ is the model of obedience. He obeys fully and completely. But beyond that, we should think in the second place about the manner of our obedience. And with this, please turn back to uh, Psalm 103. For as we read the petition, we are to pray for thy will to be done in earth as it is in heaven. And that, uh, that clause has, has caused the uh, Reformed writers to understand that the model here beyond Christ is the model of the angels, as the angels do in heaven. So Christ is drawing our attention to the angelic host. And they're described for us in the Psalm 103 and the verse number 20. Bless the Lord, ye his angels that excel in strength, that do his commandments, hearkening unto the voice of his word. Bless ye the Lord, all ye his host, ye ministers of his that do his pleasure. Here's a description of the obedience of the angels in heaven. They do his commandments. Thomas Watson, the Puritan writer, has a very helpful book on the Lord's Prayer. And I commend to you the section on the third petition where, where Watson takes, I don't know, maybe 10 pages to highlight the manner of the angelic host and their obedience. He used a number of, of very helpful adverbs to describe their obedience. Let me, let me summarize them for you now very quickly. He, he refers to the angelic host and their obedience as an obedience that is regular. They obey regularly. He used the term to regular to speak of a, of a law. They, they don't obey in a wavering sense. They do God's will. They do all his will, and they do only his will. The angelic host, the sinless angels, do not do their own will. They do the will of God, and only the will of God, and all the will of God. It's, it's regular obedience. It's an, it's an obedience that is according to a form, a pattern. It's an obedience that is according to law and precept. We must always beware Inventions when it comes to your Christian living. We must beware Nadab and Abihu's strange fire. 
Or we ought to fear the question of Isaiah chapter 1, who hath required this at your hand? must make sure that our obedience is always that which is in accordance with the command of God. They also obey entirely. They, They leave nothing out. They are fastidious in their obedience. There's times perhaps when you were children that you understood that you were told to do something. It may have been uh, by a parent or somebody uh, perhaps in authority over you. It may have been in a, in a school setting or, or some other place. And you understood that if you, if you did most of it, you'd get away with it. In the sense of which, well, if I, if I get most of the room tied up and uh, perhaps I'll just throw some stuff into the closet and close the door, nobody will see it. And my partial obedience, uh, that I'll just have to do. Well, for the angelic host, there is no such thing as partial obedience. There is that entirety of their obedience. They, they leave nothing out. They also do so sincerely. There is no pretense in the angelic host. There's no hypocrisy in heaven. They obey willingly. They're not forced or coerced. Their own disposition is to do the will of the Lord and they they do it willingly, freely, without being forced. They do it enthusiastically. They they do it fervently. There's no slackness with the angelic host. They do it swiftly. They have wings to fly to do the will of God. They do it constantly. Day and night they serve him in his temple, Revelation chapter 7. Now you think of all of those terms, regularly, entirely, sincerely, willingly, enthusiastically, swiftly, constantly. And you think how far short you fall of that standard and the manner of our obedience. And we're to pray, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. And we examine heaven and we see the manner of our obedience and how far removed we are from the angelic host. It gives certainly a a real weight to the prayer for our own hearts to be so moved that we could pray this for ourselves. You you just take two, two of the functions of the angels and think of how they function in that manner of obedience. They are chiefly involved in the work of witness and worship. When the angels are called to witness for God, they They come and they discharge their responsibility fully. They bring the word of God exactly. They do so quickly. They come as it is at the time of our Lord's incarnation. They they come and they, they deliver their message faithfully. And they do so with absolute precision. How often we struggle to willingly give witness for Christ. We're sent... As the Father sent the Son, so the Son sends us. And yet we struggle. We, we need to be forced, as it were, to, to bear witness for Christ. We certainly can't say we do so enthusiastically at times. Sometimes. But not all the time. You think of the angels' worship. If they worship entirely, sincerely, enthusiastically, constantly, how often we fall short in that regard. We are... We are not what we ought to be in terms of the doing of the will of God. That's why we must pray this prayer. We're not what we ought to be in light of the testimony of the word of God. 
And so that's something of the, the manner of our obedience. What about the means of our obedience? Surely we're praying for the impossible. How can we possibly obey in earth as the angels do in heaven? Are we not praying for that which is entirely beyond the scope of possibility? Of course, uh, that shouldn't alarm the Christian, for salvation is impossible to man, and yet God saves souls. But all humanity receives by nature the nature of fallen Adam, a nature bent on disobedience. You think of Ephesians chapter 2, and the verse number 2 refers to the uh, the unconverted, those who are dead in their sins, and refers to them as those who are the children of disobedience. By nature, we're marked by disobedience, not by obedience. I think it's remarkable to note that the entire work of God works together to, to produce an obedient people. When you examine the work of redemption, you see that every aspect of God's work of redemption has as its goal a people who are obedient to the will of God. This is one of the reasons why godly souls get so grieved when there are those who profess the name of Christ and yet would say that it doesn't matter the manner of your obedience. That's not important. So long as you're forgiven, then your living doesn't matter. But yes, when you examine the Scriptures, you see the entire work of God works together to produce obedience. The eternal decree of God is that we be conformed to the likeness of His Son. The model of our obedience is Christ. And so we are being conformed to His likeness. Surely it is, at least in part, that we would say, my meat is to do the will of Him that sent me. And there would be a Willingness within our soul to do the will of God. But, but turn to Titus chapter 2. For not only does the, the, the eternal decree of God lead towards obedience, you see the work of Christ. As he comes into this world, that work itself has as its goal the obedience of those he came to save. Titus chapter 2 and the verse 11 and the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works, his name was Jesus, that in the language of verse 14, he would redeem us out of all iniquity and purify us unto good works. Christ's atoning death is to produce an obedient people. Now turn back to Ezekiel chapter 11. And for there we will see that the work of regeneration is to lead to obedience. Ezekiel chapter 11 and the verse 19. And I will give them one heart and I will put a new spirit within you. And I will take the stony heart out of their flesh and will give them a heart of flesh. That they may walk in my statutes and keep mine ordinances and do them. And they shall be my people and I will be their God. 
So again, you see that even in the work of regeneration, as the God of heaven gives a new heart, it is, it is not simply that we would pray and worship. It is that we would walk in God's commandments. Everything comes together that we, as the people of God, would do the will of God. And so we're given the Spirit of God. That indwelling Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God that leads to holiness and not to wantonness. And the Spirit of God that works in us both to will and to do of His good pleasure. And so turning back to Hebrews chapter 13, you see how Paul could therefore pray as he does. The God of peace that sent His Son into the world the Son that came and shed His blood, that the triune God would come together to make you perfect in every good work to do His will. It is, it is very clear that this is something we must pray for. If the matter of the disobedient becoming obedient is God's work in conversion and in sanctification, then we must pray for God to do His work. And how we need to pray Thy will be done. Our standard of obedience is often set quite low. Most of us here are living outwardly good lives. And yet we do not measure ourselves in light of the angelic host or in light of the person of God's own Son. We are to love God and our neighbors and we are to do so as the angels fulfill the will of God in heaven. But be encouraged. As we think of praying this prayer, thy will be done, we should understand that we are praying the purposes of God. If God's redemptive purpose is to make us obedient, then we are praying for the purposes of God to be fulfilled. We're pleading God's promises, pleading God's purposes. God's purpose is to make us holy. Therefore pray, Lord, make us holy. What encouragement that is. You take this prayer and you believe that God's will will be answered. You're praying the very will of God. Uh, Just to confuse the terms, it is God's will to cause people to keep his will. It is God's will of decree to cause people to keep his will of desire. God's will decree that sends his son and sends his spirits. It is so that people will then keep his will. And thus, when you pray, thy will be done, we're praying for these things. We're, we're praying for God to fulfill his eternal purpose. So let me close our studies in this petition with just some suggestions of prayers. What sort of prayers come under this petition? What are we praying for? Well, we're praying for ourselves and we're praying for others. We're praying, we're praying for conversions in this petition. Uh, we've seen a few times the overlap of these first three petitions. That God's name be hallowed, that his kingdom would come, his will be done. And that all of these, they, they come together in the conversion of sinners. That the disobedient would be made obedient. That requires the power of God. Uh, you think of the company of the priests in Acts chapter 6, who were said to become obedient to the faith. That they would do the will of God. That's a work of conversion. You're praying for that tonight. Thy will be done. 
Oh, there are multitudes around us who are not right now doing the will of God. They're the children of disobedience. Therefore, pray earnestly. Thy will be done. That in this area, you name your own town, your own city, your own neighborhood. You name it and you say, Lord, may thy will be done. That requires the conversion of many precious souls. We're also praying for the work of God in consecration. I think of the psalmist in Psalm 86. Teach me thy way, O Lord. I will walk in thy truth. Unite my heart to fear thy name. Teach me thy way. What sort of things come under the prayer for thy will be done? Well, it's right and proper. You pray for help in consistent Bible study. How are you going to do the will of God if you don't know the will of God? Teach me thy way, O Lord. Many people will not pray these prayers because they understand that if they knew the will of God more clearly, they'd have to do the will of God. And therefore they're content to live in ignorance. And here's a prayer to take to your heart, Lord. Teach me your will. Pray for your preacher. Pray that he'd make the will of God plain and clear, not tickling your ears, not avoiding the hard things, not just a pat on the back, but a, a desire to present to you the will of God that must be done. Pray for help in hearing the word of God. You come to the Lord's day. Lord, help me to hear your word that I would do your will. Give me an attentive mind, a a willing heart. You think of the angels. They do his commandments, hearkening unto the voice of his word. There's a connection between hearing the will of God and doing the will of God. We're praying for help in the doing. Teach me to do thy will, Psalm 1, 4, 3. You think of all the prayers that Paul offers for his churches. How many of those prayers have at least in part and praying that they would do the will of God. You just take a couple by way of example. You take Romans 15. You look at Romans 15 and you'll see here Paul. It shows us an example of praying for the people of God that they would do the will of God. Romans 15 verse 5. Now the God of patience and consolation grant you to be like-minded one toward another according to Christ Jesus. That ye may with one mind and one mouth glorify God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Wherefore receive ye one another, as Christ also received us to the glory of God. Be like-minded. There's a prayer. Is it the will of God that his church be like-minded? Of course it is. Is it God's will that we in this place would be like-minded of one accord? Of course it is. Therefore, thy will be done. We pray that out. It's just, it's just one example. You take Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. And this is a, this is a, a lengthy prayer that uh, revolves around the whole idea of, of pleasing God. Uh, verse 9, Paul prays that they be filled with the knowledge of his will. He's praying that they would know the will of God. And then in verse 10, that they would do the will of God, that ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work. Do you see that? We have Bible examples of this praying. That Paul would pray for his churches, that they would know the will of God and do the will of God. Do we pray these prayers? Are these prayers we take to our lips? 
as the people of God in this place. We are praying for ourselves and we are praying for others. There are areas of our lives that we understand we need to see God's grace at work. There may be heart issues, a bitter spirit, an angry spirit. Is that God's will for you to be bitter? Is it God's will for you to be angry? Is it God's will for you to be jealous? Is it God's will for you to be discontented? And sometimes we allow these heart sins to live on in our souls and we will not pray, thy will be done. So here's a petition to take to our hearts. Pray, thy will be done in my life. You may perceive sin, you may see sin or some lack of obedience in the life of someone else. You might see a lack of obedience in your wife, in your husband, in your children. You may perceive in their lives areas whereby they're not doing the will of God. So what are you going to do? Murmur, grumble and complain? Or are you going to take it to the Lord in prayer? Lord, thy will be done in my husband's life. Thy will be done in my wife's life. Thy will be done in my children's life. Taking these things seriously, particular, explicit prayers, understanding the particular deficiencies and praying for God to work in their hearts that they would do his will. So often the case is that we, we see the lack of obedience and we condemn and we criticize and we do not take it to God in prayer. So may God enable us as a people of God in this place to have a tender heart and a, a prayerful spirit that as we perhaps work our way through the church directory and we, uh, we see areas of so-and-so, they never come to the prayer meeting. Well, what, what are we to do? Are we to, are we to pat ourselves on the back and say, we are here, we do? Or are we to pray for God to stir up their hearts that they can't help but come to the prayer meeting? That there's such a burden of soul, I must get with God's people in prayer. Now, you can take many examples. As the Lord move your soul, you pray for God's people. You know, because God has told us to pray this prayer. Therefore, it must be God's will that we pray this prayer. And it is God's will that as we pray the prayers that he has given us, that he then, he answers those prayers. He's bound himself to answer those prayers that are according to his revealed will. So may God help us to take these things seriously and to pray much at this time for the will of God to be done. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode of Let the Bible Speak from Malvern Free Presbyterian Church. We extend an invitation to all to join us as we worship the Lord each week. You will be made very welcome. The church is situated at 80 Mallon Road, Malvern, Pennsylvania. We meet for worship on the Lord's Day at 11 a.m. and 6 p.m. A Bible study and prayer meeting is also held on Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. If you'd like more information about the gospel or the church, please call 610-993-3170. That's 610-993-3170. Or email malvernfpc at yahoo.com. We preach Christ crucified.